Welcome to the Covenant Women Podcast with Dr. Adonica Howard-Brown, your on-demand source for Holy Ghost-filled preaching and teaching. You bring blessing everywhere you go. You bring freedom. You bring liberty. Out of your inmost being will flow rivers of living water. Be refreshed, encouraged, and strengthened as you hear the Word today. So we're talking about 1 Corinthians 13 from 8 to 10 about prophecy and and all the gifts passing away when that which is complete has come. And a lot of people uh, say that, yes, they passed away with the apostles, but that that is not even scriptural because it says when that which is perfect. Well, the world didn't suddenly become perfect when the last apostle died. Amen. I mean, this is just people taking Scripture out of context and making it, not reading the whole thing, making it say something it's not actually saying. So it's saying, when that which is perfect comes, when we step over into the presence of God, we don't need the gifts of the Spirit anymore. But until then, we need them. And I don't know about you, but I live on this earth, I need the gifts of the Spirit. There's nowhere in the Bible that it says that they have now passed away. And don't you think the Lord would have told us if they had passed away and like, we're not to do that anymore. And, I mean, and how, tell me, how can the gifts of the Spirit go overnight from being of God to being of the devil? It's like, hello, hit me again. I'm still conscious. If it started off as God, then it's God. And, you know, there's people that quote the Word and don't live by the Word because the Bible says, by their fruit you'll know them. What is the fruit of the work of the Spirit? It's going to be the love, joy, peace, people's lives being healed, restored, made whole. If the fruit is good, then it's from God. Amen. Amen. So all these things are, uh, they have not yet passed away. The complete and perfect hasn't come. But the main thing is that love is still more important than the gifts because the gifts operate by and through love. See, without love, the gifts are worthless. Remember, noisy gong. Clanging symbol, without love I'm a nobody, without love I gain nothing. So everything I do without love is completely purposeless, it's just, it's valueless. So love is the foundation, we have to operate in the love of God first and foremost before we operate in the gifts of the Spirit. When we're operating in the gifts of the Spirit, they have to come forth in love, because if they don't, you know, you you begin to tap into a spirit that might not be God. Because there's a lot of people that get up and say a lot of things and it's not under the anointing. And they're tapping into some other spirit. So, you know, if, if you're sitting under somebody and they don't display the love of God in their life, um, you know, I, Pastor Rodney's a bold guy and he scares some people and especially a lot of people who are afraid he's going to look right, right through them and read their mind or something. Um, but a lot of people... <laughs> A lot of people think, I mean, if the Holy Spirit shows him something, sure, he's going to know it. And you can see some things on people. You can see things on them. I I can know, you know, just looking at some people where they're at. And that doesn't mean you can read their mind. You just know, you know, there's something going on in their life. I mean, if you have someone that's always happy and cheerful, and and then the next few times you see them, they're all grumpy and miserable, you know, something's going up, going on with that person. You don't have to be a rocket scientist, you know, but but the Holy Spirit will show you stuff. But... um, the thing is that he can, he can be bold and he can do some of the things he says and he can, he can be, you know, he can be quite firm on some things because you know he loves you. 
I mean, he, he loves people, he does. So he can be, he can be, he can speak the truth in love and he can say some things that are, that are hard for people to hear and shoot religious cows, but it's because he really does love people and he wants to see people free. And a lot of people see that boldness on him and they think, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to tell the religious people off. And I'm going to, you know, he was talking about, you know, I used to go, oh, honey, just because when he'd be like really hard on religion and I'd be like, honey, maybe if you're a little nicer to them, you could convince them, you know, just be a little easier on them. And then I started getting hit with the power of God and, and a boldness started coming on me. And, and I would get up and, and under the anointing, you hate religion. It's terrible because it's bondage. It destroys people's lives. And I'd get up and I'd be nailing religion and he would be like, oh my goodness. <laughs> he'd, be, he'd be wanting to hide under the church bench. You know, I'd be <laughs> wanting to hide when he was speaking. And I'm like, oh, did I say that? <laughs> but sometimes people get up and they want to do that, but they don't love people. They just want to, well, I'm right and you're wrong and I'm going to tell you what to do. And, and it doesn't come across well. People don't receive it. it like, it's like they leave bruised. So we don't want to bruise people. We want to speak the truth in love. So everything we do, if you're going to get up and you're going to tell it straight, you, you better have a love motivation. You better have fallen in love with people. You better have allowed God to do a work in your, in your life. Because if you're not walking in love, anything you do from the pulpit, you're preaching, flowing in the gifts, you're singing, it's not going to really bring glory to God. Only when you're walking in the love of God is what you're doing going to bring glory to God. Amen. And be worth anything. And be gold jewels and precious stones as opposed to the wood, hay, and stubble. Then uh, verse 11 says, When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. Now, now that I've become a man, I'm done with childish ways and have put them aside. For now we are looking in a mirror that gives only a dim and a blurred reflection of reality as in a riddle or enigma. But then when perfection comes, we shall see in reality and face to face. Now I know in part, imperfectly, but then I shall know and understand fully and clearly, even in the same manner as I have been fully and clearly known and understood by God. On this earth, the things of God, we see it as through a glass darkly. It's, have you ever seen that kind of frosted glass or whatever? You know, you can, you can see what's on the other side. You can see the shadow of it, but you can't see the clear outline. And that's how we see, because we're limited by our carnal mind and, and, and the sin and the death that, that we've lived in our whole life here on earth. We're, we're limited. We, we can't see the fullness of everything of the Lord. It's, it's like looking through a glass darkly. But when we step over, the Bible says, when we see Him, we'll be like Him, for we will see Him as He is. And so when we see him, we'll understand and it'll come clear. But right now we have to accept a lot of things by faith because we don't see it clearly yet because we're not perfected yet, but we will be. There will come a time that, that we are perfected. Children are basically selfish. I, I already talked about that yesterday. Children are, are selfish. And when, when we're children in the Lord, we're still selfish. But it is the, the evidence of us growing up in the Lord is that we mature in love, that we become unselfish, that we don't think so much of ourselves and we think more of, of other people. That's part of growing up in the natural, that's part of growing up in the Lord. Learning to give rather than to take. Learning to love to give. Learning what it means it's more blessed to give than to receive. Amen. There's more joy in it. There's more fun in giving when you really get into it. Then the receiving's great, but, but the giving just does so much more for you. Amen. And then the last verse says, and not, 
And so faith, hope, and love abide. Faith, conviction, and belief respecting man's relationship to God and divine things. Hope is a joyful and confident expectation of eternal salvation and love, true affection for God and man, growing out of God's love for and in us. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Faith, hope, and love will always be around, but love is the greatest and the most important. A lot of times, people think faith is the most important important. I have, to, I have to have faith. I'm God's woman of faith. I'm God's man of faith. We need to first be God, God's man and woman of love. Yes. Amen. That needs to be the most important thing. And then, of course, you know, in, in the next verse, it says, make it your aim, your great quest to walk in the love of God. So as a Christian, make that one of your goals, one of your aims, one of the things you strive for more than anything else every day of your life to walk in the love of God, because everything else springs out of that. If you don't understand love, you don't understand God. If you don't understand love, you don't, you don't understand what God's trying to do with your life. You don't understand your call. You don't understand your anointing until you understand the love of God. To me, the love of God and the anointing are the same thing because the Bible says God is love. And it, it flows out of you the same way. You know, when, when we're ministering to people, when we're laying hands on people, we're not just putting an, you know, an empty hand on an empty head. We're putting... We're, I, when, whenever we lay hands on someone, we're drawing from the anointing that's on the inside of us. We're allowing it to flow out of us into those people. And um, it needs to be that the more pure that your life is, the more pure that that anointing is. Amen. Amen. Like I said, I, I don't have just let anybody lay hands on me because, you know, I, I, want, I want something coming out of a pure well. I don't want some, some goofball laying hands on me because I don't want what they have. Amen. And so that anointing, you, you can actually feel it coming out of your belly. You can feel the anointing flow out of you. You can feel the love of God flow out of you the same, the same way. You can, you can, people can feel that. They can feel the love of God. They can, they can feel it. It's, it's in your presence. It's going to come out of you and it's going to be felt. When people are around you, they're going to feel it. So the more you allow God to do that work in your, in your life, the more you become purified and, and the more that love is allowed to take hold and take precedence in your life, the more people are going to see it in you and feel it. You won't even have to say anything, but they'll sense it, they'll feel it, and they'll respond to it. People always respond to love. Children respond to it. Grown-ups respond to it. They respond to it. Hallelujah. And they'll be more open and they'll receive what you have to say when, when they know that you love them. Amen. Amen. It's, it's so much easier to speak the truth into someone's life when, you, when, you, when they know that you love them. They can accept it. And so you can help people. You can be a blessing when you walk in, in the love of God rather than, than just, you know, going in there and like, well, you need to do this and you need to do that. And, and people just go, who do you think you are? <laughs> I don't have to listen to you. But when we do it in the love of God, people, people will receive it. So faith, hope, and love. Faith works by love. Galatians 5 and verse 6 says, For if we are in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith activated, energized, and expressed, and working in love. At that time, the, the, you know, um, a sign of the covenant was the circumcision. Circumcision was evidence of, of the blood covenant, the old covenant. It was the shedding of blood. But in the New Covenant, Jesus did it all. Jesus was God and man, and, and God and man cut a covenant in one person, Jesus Christ. 
That's why he had to be God and man, so that he could cut a covenant on behalf of God and behalf of man. Because, man, because God has always kept covenant, and man has always broken covenant. And so God sent the perfect sinless man down, God in the flesh, to cut covenant between God and man, and that's why that covenant can never be broken. Amen. Amen. That's why once you're saved and you're committed to God, that's it. Amen. Now, that's not to say that you can never lose your salvation, but only God can be the judge of that. I mean, you have to really be far gone to, really, to lose your salvation. You have to really not want Jesus in your life. You have to really reject the blood of Jesus. But thank God, if I make a little mistake, I'm not like, like the law. If you broke one tiny little, you know, tiny little commandment, you broke the whole law. And thank God for the blood of Jesus, that that covenant is so powerful that I can make a mistake and, I, and I'm not going to go to hell. Amen. Hallelujah. And I, I can go and I can ask him to, to forgive me and I can, be, I can be restored and I can continue in fellowship with him. And so there's two extreme thoughts in the body of Christ. You know that every time you make a mistake, you lose your salvation. And then you get people who believe you can never lose your salvation. And I believe that the truth is somewhere in the middle. Amen. So it, it doesn't matter if we're circumcised or uncircumcised. In other words, because the Jews were so, well, I'm a son of Abraham. Well, the Bible says we're all children of Abraham. The Bible said the, God's covenant with Abraham is that all the families of the earth would be blessed in faithful Abraham. That's why God did it by faith. God said it has to be by faith. Abraham was counted uh, you know, righteous by his faith, and we are counted righteous by our faith. The law had nothing to do with it. The law was just trying to point them in a direction, but it, was, it's, it, was, it began by faith, it has always been by faith, in order that every one of us could participate, that nobody would be left out. And so it doesn't matter if you are Jew in the flesh or one in, the, in, in, in spirit, you, you, are, you are the body of Christ. Whatever your, whatever your flesh is, whatever your heritage is, whether you've been circumcised or uncircumcised, that does not matter. The thing that's important is faith activated, energized, and expressed and working through love. So it's our faith that counts and faith works through love. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter what the name of our church is. It doesn't matter the good works we've done. It doesn't matter the sacrifices we've made. What matters is that we did it in faith. We were motivated by faith and not fear. Always ask yourself that when you make a decision, am I being motivated by faith or fear? And if you are, being, if you are doing something out of fear, stop. Stop. Don't ever, don't make a decision, don't make a choice out of fear. Don't allow fear to dictate your choices, your, your path, your, your, your deci the decisions you make about your life. Don't make them in fear. Make them in faith. Amen. Amen. If you do something, step out, do it, do it as, as a faith project. Don't, don't follow the way of fear. Follow the way of faith. It's a bit scarier to go the faith way because you can't see the way in front of you. You just got to step out and trust God. But it's a much more sure way. The way of fear is very wobbly. The devil loves to put fear into our life because that's how he can control us. Amen. So don't scare your kids. <laughs> don't scare them on purpose. The devil loves to to get fear into us at a very young age. Don't make your kids afraid of anything. I know Kenneth Copeland used to talk about how his kid, he had this, they had this very high fence and his little boy would love to walk on it. And of course, if he'd fallen down, you know, he, it, was, it, was, it was a good chance he would have busted something. 
and uh, he, he didn't want to say anything out of fear, so he would just tell the kid, he would just, instead of saying to him, get off that fence, you're going to break your neck, he would say, Johnny, I think you need to come off of that now. <laughs> come, just, just come down off the fence. <laughs> just kidding. He wouldn't say, you're going to break your neck, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. Don't do that to your kids. Don't, don't instill fear. Don't, don't speak death over them and put thoughts of death into them. They're going to do things. They're going to bang their heads open and break things. And <laughs> Well, they'll try to. You know, you, my kids went through a phase of every one of them hit their head and either cut it open or had big bruises and whatever. So I took them all. I laid hands on all their heads and I commanded them in the name of Jesus to quit hurting their head. And they did. They did. <laughs> so without, without love, faith is completely ineffective. There's no fear in love. 1 John 4.18 says there's no fear in love. Dread does not exist, but full-grown, complete, perfect love turns fear out of doors and expels every trace of terror. For fear brings with it the thought of punishment or the thought of torment. And so he who is afraid has not reached the full maturity of love, is not yet grown into love's complete perfection. Somebody who's afraid of God is not mature in love. Somebody who's afraid of God is, has not had a, a full revelation of how much God loves them. They don't have a, a relationship with the Lord like they need to have. Hebrews 4 and verse 15 and 16 says, For we do not have a high priest. Who's a high priest? Jesus, who is unable to understand and sympathize and have a shared feeling with our weaknesses and infirmities and liability to the assaults of temptation, but one who has been tempted in every respect as we are, yet without sinning. Let us then fearlessly and confidently and boldly draw near to the throne of grace, the throne of God's unmerited favor to us sinners, that we may receive mercy for our failures and find grace to help in good time for every need, appropriate and well-timed help coming just when we need it. So perfect love casts out fear so that we can come boldly into the throne of grace. And then 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 in the Amplified says, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, of cowardice, of craven and cringing and fawning fear, but He has given us a spirit of power and love and of calm and well-balanced mind and discipline and self-control. I, I used that scripture when I was pregnant about the, the labor and the delivery, that God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, of a calm and a well-balanced mind, discipline and self-control. And... Um, I mean, and I prayed, Lord, that, that every, every birth would be a testimony. And it was. Every, with every kid, it was such a testimony. My first doctor was Jewish. Um, the second doctor I had, the, the nurse that was attending us, was, we were lived in that, living in that little town. And the, the Dutch Reformed Church, the Dutch Reformed Minister, got everybody stirred up about us, that we were a cult and everything. And the, the, one of the nurses, she was one of the biggest gossipers in town. And she was my nurse with, with uh, Kelly. And when, when I, after I delivered Kelly... Um, she said to me, she said, next time you have a baby, I'm bringing all the ladies from town to come in and watch you have a baby, and they can see that you can behave yourself. <laughs> the other doctor's wife was the worst one in town. I mean, she'd scream and perform and cuss them out and throw things at them. <laughs> and, um, and so, you know, the, the, the word is there not just as a decoration. It's not just there to... To, for us to go rah, rah, woo, woo. It's there to carry us through life situations and the things that we have to go through. Amen. 
Hallelujah. First John 4, 4 says, Little children, you are of God, you belong to Him and have already defeated and overcome them, the agents of the Antichrist, because He who lives in you is greater and mightier than He who is in the world. Greater is He who lives in me than he that lives in the world. When, when, you, when you have to cast a devil out of someone, you better know that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Amen. You, you better know that you're doing your best to live right. Because if you're not, the devil will, the devil will find it. Amen. So if, you, if you're going to deal with the devil in any circumstances, your, your heart needs to be pure with the Lord. You need to have dealt with, with issues. You don't have to be perfect, but you just need to be submitted to God. And not, and not be yielding to sin, because the devil will know it. And when, whenever, I, whenever we have to minister to someone in, in deliverance, I always I allow that anointing to come out of me. I, I allow the love of God to come out of me. Because when you see some people casting devils out of people, it's like they're attacking the person. You have to realize you've got to love the person. You can be mad at the devil. I mean, sometimes when Pastor Rodney is rebuking cancer or something, he shouts at that thing and scares the kids. <laughs> but he's not shouting at the person. He's shouting at that devil. He's shouting at that sickness, at that disease, and rebuking it. So allow the love of God. The devil, remember, the devil can't fight the love of God. So allow the love of God to come out of you for that person, but take authority over the devil. Remember, he can't fight love. See, we, in our natural mind, we want to get angry, but you just bring yourself down to the devil's level. And when you bring yourself down to where he is, he can defeat you. If you don't have, without the power of God, you are defenseless against the devil. You, you, you remember when the, the disciples said to Jesus they were casting out devils and they were like, oh, even the devils are subject to us in your name. And he said, I saw the devil fall out of heaven, you know, as lightning. And he said, rather rejoice that your name is written down in the Lamb's book of life. So we don't rejoice over like, oh, the devil's listened to me. And, you know, but we rather rejoice that we're saved, that we're sanctified, and we just deal with him when we, when we have to. We just deal with him, but we don't, you know, don't get all excited about all that they're, you know, subject to you or whatever but allow the love of God to flow out of you and just take authority over him and stand firm he has to back off remember the devil doesn't have the fruit of the spirit he doesn't have patience you've got to just hang in there longer than he can amen in every area of your life <laughs> you just got to hang in there longer till you shake every devil off of it John Osteen said that he said when when he because he passed his church for years he only had 200 people and now Lake Lakewood, oh my goodness, I don't know how many people they have there. Um, they, they have like a couple of services in the morning and like 8,000 people at each service. And they've got, I don't know, 30, 40,000 people in their church or maybe more, I'm not actually sure. They started with, he had 200 people, John had 200 people for years. And he said, you just keep plugging at it, you just run every devil off and, and uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, because you're going to get people that come and go and you just run them off. If they don't want to submit to the word of God, run, run them off. You know, they'll, they'll leave anyway, you know. Because there's a lot of people that have itching ears. They just want you to tell them what they want to hear. And they'll stay a little while and then they'll leave. And that's fine. We've run some people off and that's fine. They, just, they need to go where they feel comfortable and do their own thing. We want people that are committed. We want people that love God. We, we want people that, that want to fulfill the call of God on their life. And they, they want what He wants above all else. Amen. Not everybody's going to want to come to our church. And we don't want all of them. Amen. Because, you know, a lot of times when we're out on, on the road to in revival, uh, you have to wait for some people to leave. And it's like the service is like 
really rough going until about 10 o'clock and all the religious leave and then it's like suddenly the service just goes and just breaks open because it's like all those religious spirits that were binding the meeting left. <laughs> you know, so don't think you can sit in the service with a bad attitude and it doesn't affect everybody else. It, it is. Your spirit is affecting um, everybody around you. So we all have to open up our heart. And I mean, I, I think about that, the angels, you know, the, the, the video where the angels were singing. I mean, that was a big crowd. There was like, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight thousand people there that night. And, and I mean, everybody just in, in one accord, just so worshiping God. And it's like the angels came in. That was an incredible moment to get that many people to flow in unity. But that's what love does. That's what the Holy Spirit, wherever the Holy Spirit is, wherever love is, He's going to bring unity. Amen. He's, he's going he's to bring us together. When, when, we, when we love one another, when, when we all get hit by the anointing, I mean, it was, it was really funny last night. Too, we're, <laughs> we're, we're just, you just sit and soak out of the anointing, and then we're coming like, um, and we're talking to you, oh, you're so wonderful, I love you so much, you're so precious, I appreciate this about you. And, and they're like, well, oh, you're so, and I, want, I like this about you, I love this, and you're so wonderful. And we're like, the Mutual Admiration Society. But, you know, that's what happens when you get under the anointing, you just, you just love people, and you just want to tell them how much you love them, and you appreciate them, and, and they're so precious. And it's, it's, it, it, it joins you together. I mean, there are people, there are people that I love with all my heart. I love them, I'm closer to them than, than family and blood family because we're, we're, we're united in Jesus. There's, there's, a, you know, there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother and your friend in the Lord, your drinking partner, I mean, how many you know? <laughs> your drinking partners are your best buddies. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4, 4 and 5 says, Hear, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is the only Lord. That's what it means when he says that the Lord our God is one Lord. A lot of people get hung up on that and they're like, Jesus only and, you know, there's only one. No, the Bible says there's three in one. And if you don't understand that, don't worry about it. It's just your carnal mind. You will understand it. I mean, the Bible says there's seven spirits of God. There's a lot of things that we've got to just receive by faith and not try to always dissect and figure out and analyze. I mean, you have no clue how your TV works, but you switch it on and watch it. You don't have any clue, most of you, what's going on in your engine, especially with the computers that they have today. But you just, you get in the car, you turn it on, you drive it. So, you know, we, we can accept the word of God the same way. So it's, it's not saying that there's only one of him. It's saying he's the only one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your mind and heart, your, with your entire being and with all your might. Uh, the King James says, love God with your heart, your soul, and your might. Um, I got this out of a Dick Mills book called He's Spoken, I Was Strengthened. And it's a whole book of confessions. It's really awesome. And I thought this was really awesome. And he says this. He says, you are to love me sincerely, emotionally, with all your soul, intelligently, with your mind, and energetically, with your heart. So we need to love God sincerely, emotionally, with our soul. We must love him intelligently, with our mind, and love him energetically, with our heart. In other words, we, we emotionally, we just, we trust him. We give everything over to him. Intelligently, we, we make a decision. I'm going to love him. We make a choice. Energetically, we put it into action. God created us to love him, to serve him, to fellowship with him. He wants us to do it with all our spirit, soul, mind, heart, body, and strength. He wants us 
to want to do it. He, he doesn't want us to be forced or coerced. He wants us to do it because we want to. How many of you have children? You want your kids to love you. you, you it's the best thing in the whole world when your kid he comes to you or your grandbaby comes to you on their own and says, I love you. I love you, Mom. I love you, Granny. It's awesome. It's, it's just it's precious. And that's what God, God wants us not to ha, you know, feel like we have to love Him, we're forced to. But we, we need to love Him because we want to. And we need to show. That's what we're doing when we're praising, when we're worshiping. We're, we're expressing our love for Him. The rocks don't have to cry out for us. We're going to do it. Amen. No rock's going to praise Him for me. I'm, I'm going to praise Him. I'm going to worship Him. I'm going to honor Him. Deuteronomy 10, verse 12 and 13. Now, Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee but to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in His ways, to love Him, to serve the Lord with all our heart, with all our soul, to keep the commandments of the Lord and His statutes, which I command thee this day for thy good. And the Deut uh, um, Deuteronomy 12 in Amplified says, Now, Israel, what does the Lord require of you but reverently to fear the Lord your God, to walk in His ways, to love Him, to serve Him with all your mind and heart and with your entire being? Love Him with all that is within you. He, he must be the first love above your husband or your wife, your kids, your job, your ministry. A lot of ministers put their ministry first. God needs to be first. You, you, must, you may be ministering to other people, but you can't exalt your ministry. Many people exalt their ministry. They make their ministry an idol. You know what? You need to die to your ministry. You need to lay your ministry down. Your ministry needs to become as dung to you. Everything needs to become dung to you as... as Paul said, you know, just that I might win Christ. Everything else is, everything else is, that's, that's what I think of it. But he is the, he is it, he's it. Revelations 2, in Revelations 2 and verse 1, to the angel, the messenger of the assembly in Ephesus, write these, write, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars, which are the messengers of the seven churches in his right hand, who goes out, who goes about among the seven golden lampstands, which are the seven churches. I know your industry and activities, laborious toil and trouble, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot tolerate wicked men, and have tested and critically appraised those who call themselves apostles, and yet are not, and have found them to be impostors and liars. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not fainted or become exhausted or grown weary. But I have this one charge to make against you, that you have left and abandoned the love that you had at first. You have deserted me, your first love. Remember then from what height you have fallen. Repent, change the inner man to meet God's will, and do the works you did previously when first you knew the Lord, or else I will visit you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you change your mind and repent. We must never forget who our first love is. This, this is the foundation of our life. Jesus is our first love. Don't ever forget that. Always remind yourself. If you need to, write it down. Stick it up somewhere. <laughs> Your mirrors and walls are going to be full of stuff stuck all over by the time I'm finished. But, um, but re remind yourself of that. Whatever you go through, remember in 10 years' time, in 20 years' time, you need to remember Jesus is my first love. Jesus is my first love. Jesus is my first love. Not money, not things, not other people. Jesus, Jesus, my relationship with Him, my first love. And you will keep, your life will stay on track if Jesus is your first love. Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Mark chapter 12, Mark 12, 28 through 31 says, Then one of the scribes came up and listened to them disputing with one another, noticing that Jesus answered them fitly and admir admirably. He asked him, Which commandment is the first and most important of all in its nature? And Jesus answered, 
The first and principal one of all commands is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God out of and with your whole heart, and out of and with all your soul, your life, and out of and with all your mind, with your faculty of thought and your moral understanding, and out of and with all your strength. This is the first and principal commandment. The second is like it and is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Then Matthew 22 and verse 34 through 40 says, Now when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced and muzzled the Sadducees, they gathered together and one of their number, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which kind of commandment is great and important, the principal kind in the law? Some commandments are light, which are heavy. And he replied to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, your intellect. This is the great, most important principle and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as you do yourself. These two commandments sum up, and upon them depend all the law and the prophets. So all the law and the prophets, every word that anybody's ever spoken under the old covenant, is all summed up in these two commandments. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, everything that is within you, and love your neighbor as yourself. You know that, that the, God gave us 10 commandments through, through Moses, and if you look on the books in, in America, I can't remember the number now, but it's like hundreds of thousands of rules and regulations, all trying to just enforce those 10. And Jesus brings it down even less, he just brings it down to two. Because the whole law, the 10 commandments, However many commandments God gave, every word that was given, everything can be summed up. Everything comes back. Everything points us back to these two things. Love God with all your heart and everything that is within you and love your neighbor as yourself. All of the commandments are, are depend, dependent on these and are fulfilled by these. Romans 13, verse 8 through 10. Romans 13, 8. Keep out of debt and owe no man anything except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor who practices loving others, has fulfilled the law relating to one's fellow men, meeting all its requirements. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not kill, you shall not steal, you shall not covet or have an evil desire, and any other commandment are summed up in the single command, you shall love your neighbor as you do yourself. Love does no wrong to one's neighbor. It never hurts anybody. Therefore, love meets all the requirements and is the fulfilling of the law. So God doesn't want us to live. There's a lot of people that are focusing on, on the law, the law, the law. I mean, there are people, they're even on television telling us that you're not, people are not saved until you show them that they're sinners, unless you show them the law. And, and, and you know, people can't argue with our big altar calls, so they say, well, they're not really getting saved. Because they want us to like, like hammer the people with the law. But Jesus said that, that it's fulfilled in this. If you love God and love your neighbor, love meets all the requirements and fulfills the law. So instead of focusing on what we shouldn't be doing, we start focusing on what we should be doing. We start walking in love. And when we walk in love, we will automatically keep all of the commandments. They won't even be a question. We won't, I mean, isn't that so much easier? Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If we walk in the love of God, we're not going to break 
any of the commandments, we're going to automatically fulfill the commandments. It, it, you know, I love the way that God is, He always turns the focus to, to something that's, that we can do, something that produces life, you know, you know, points us toward faith and away from fear and, and towards liberty and away from bondage. And this is liberating to know I can walk in the love of God and I don't have to worry about all the commandments because when I'm walking in the love of God, I'm not going to steal from, I'm not going to steal from you if I love you. I'm not going to, com, you know, commit adultery with your spouse if I love you. I'm not going to, uh, you know, just do any of those things. I'm not going to lie to you or about you if I love you. Amen. If I love you and if I love God, I'm, I'm going to cover you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to treat you right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to treat you like I would like you to treat me. But the root comes from the love of God, walking in the love of God. And so God makes it so easy. And yet, people make it so hard because they won't receive the Word of God. You know, we've had people that, that, that were terminally ill and God showed us that they could not get healed because they were walking in unforgiveness. And you know, we spoke to them time and time again. We had people come in who didn't even know anything about them and tell them, God shows me you have unforgiveness in your life. And you know, that person would not forgive and they died. So sometimes we go, well, they were a Christian. They were believing God. They were in faith and they died. They might have been in faith, but they weren't operating in the love of God. They weren't operating in forgiveness and God couldn't do anything for them. So we need to walk in the love of God to allow God to do the work, His work in our life. We need to be submitted to God. In, in the, and, and as I said, you know, in, yes, in one sense it's easy. God made it easy, just two commandments, but it's so hard on our flesh. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I mean, it sounds easy, but walking it out is hard. It's hard on the flesh. But God doesn't expect you to do it by yourself. He expects you to submit to the Holy Spirit. That's why He gave you the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's there to make it smoother, to make it easier. He'll remind you. He'll help you. He'll be there for you. He'll walk it through for you. Ephesians 2 and verse 4 says, but God so rich is he in his mercy because of it in order to satisfy the great and wonderful and intense love which with he has loved us, even when we were dead, slain by our own shortcomings and trespasses, he made us alive together in fellowship and union with Christ. He gave us the very life of Christ himself, the same new life which he quickened him for, with which he quickened him. For it is by grace, his favor and mercy, which you did not deserve, that you are saved. He raised us up together with Him and made us sit down together, giving us joint seating with Him in the heavenly sphere by virtue of our being in Christ Jesus the Messiah. He did that so that He might clearly demonstrate through the ages to come the immeasurable, limitless riches of His free grace, His unmerited favor, His kindness, His goodness of heart toward us in Christ Jesus. For it's by free grace that you're saved, delivered, and this faith and this salvation is not of your own doing. It came not through your own striving, but it is the gift of God, not because of works, not the fulfillment of the law's demands, lest any man should boast. It's not the result of what anyone can do, so that no one can take pride in it or glory in it. It's God's own handiwork in Jesus Christ so that we can do these good works which God predestined and planned beforehand for us, taking paths which He prepared ahead of time so that we could walk in them, living the good life which we here prearranged and made ready for us to live. So God loved us with such an intense love that even when we were dead, He sent Jesus to raise us up. And it has nothing to do with our works program. 
and everything to do with how much that he loves us. Galatians 5 and verse 13 through 26, for you brethren were indeed called to freedom, only don't let your freedom be an incentive to your flesh and an opportunity and excuse for selfishness, but through love you should serve one another, serve one another through love. For the whole law concerning human relationships is complied with in the one precept, you shall love your neighbor as you do yourself. But if you bite and devour one another in partisan strife, be careful that you and your whole fellowship are not consumed by one another. You know, we, we've known some men that would bite and devour and attack people's character and just, you know, just destroy their reputation and, and, and be ugly to everybody. And then before very long, they were in a big, mean, ugly divorce with their wife. And we were shocked because, you know, we'd know that this man's treated, these men have treated other people badly, but we were still horrified when they turned around and were doing the same thing to their own wives. So you better know if you're biting and devouring, you're going to be, you're going to consume one another. So we're not to be biting and devouring, but we need to live and walk in the Holy Spirit. It says responsive to, so we need to respond to the Holy Spirit, and we need to be controlled and guided by the Spirit. And when we do that, we will not gratify the cravings and the desires of the flesh, the human nature without God. Our flesh would like to squash someone like a bug who's done something to us. But we need to allow the Holy Spirit, we need to respond to Him, we need to allow Him to control us. For the desires of the flesh are opposed, the desires of the flesh oppose the Holy Spirit, they're, they're warring, and the desires of the Spirit are opposed to the flesh, the godless human nature. For these are antagonistic to one another, continually withstanding and in conflict with one another, so that you're not free, but are prevented from doing what you desire to do. But if you are guided and led by the Holy Spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now the doings and the practices of the flesh are clear and obvious. There are immorality, impurity, indecency, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, ill-temper, selfishness, divisions, dissensions, party spirit, factions, sects with particular opinions and heresies. I mean, we see that in church. We see all this stuff happening in churches where people have not submitted to the Holy Spirit and they've allowed the flesh to rise up and they're fighting with each other. I know one denomination in South Africa split because the one, one people, one of them said, you just baptize people like one time in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the other one was like, you baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The only problem is that the bottom only got baptized once and the top got baptized three times. <laughs> And then it was like one of the issues that they just fought over and split over. I mean, it's stupid. People always, you know, splitting up over the stupidest things. And these are the works of the flesh. Envy and drunkenness, carousing and the like. I warn you beforehand, just as I did previously, that those who do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is the work which His presence within accomplishes is love joy, gladness, peace, patience, and even temper, forbearance, kindness, goodness, benevolence, faithfulness, gentleness, meekness, humility, self-control, self-restraint, continence. Against such things, there is no law that can bring a charge. So if you want to walk in the love of God, you have to submit to the Holy Spirit. You cannot walk in love apart from the Holy Spirit. You must be submitted to the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. I'm just going to read the last Three, three verses for you to finish it off. And those who belong to Christ Jesus, the Messiah, have crucified the flesh, the godless human nature with its passions and appetites and desires. If we live by the Holy Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. If by the Holy Spirit we have our life in God, let us go forward walking in line, our conduct controlled by the Spirit. Let us not become vainglorious and self-conceited, competitive and challenging and provoking and irritating to one another, envying and being jealous of one another. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord.